I knew Kathy back in junior high and way in Austin, Texas. And so when I saw her years ago, 20 years ago, probably at church, I was like, oh, my goodness. And I always thought Kathy was the most beautiful girl in the whole school, and she was. But I did not know Kathy's heart. And now that I know Kathy, I tell my daughter, I just, I cannot believe. I'm like, Kathy McJunkin is the most beautiful girl, but she is beautiful because of what is in her heart. And so I know her children, and my daughter recently wrote a paper about uh, identity and, and where you, what, not exactly how they phrased the paper, but she wrote a paper, and her comparison was identity in Christ, and she used Jenna McJunkin as an example of somebody that, you know, probably, and, and Kathy will probably allude, I don't want to spill anything that she's going to share, but Jenna is the most secure teenager you'd ever met, meet in your life, and that is because of who she is in Christ. So I just just welcome Kathy. She has four children. One is a, at SMU, a football player, and then all the way down to uh, Bert, who is in eighth grade. So we just welcome Kathy McJunkin. Thanks for the introduction. I'm going to stand on Sally's new favorite verse. And many are my plans here, but I hope that the Lord, I know that the Lord... Um, plan will be established. I hope that it is. Uh oh. Sorry, not the squeaking. Ah. I had to have it in a bad place. Alright. I'm sorry? Um, it's over there on the table. I think I'm good now, maybe. Okay, y'all can hear me? I probably don't even need it. I'm used to, te- to talking loudly. And I have to tell you, I just went back to work after, um, well, the last three years I have been doing a little real estate, but um, that wasn't really working with my family. So I went back to work, and I am substitute teaching. And I know that that may make some people just kind of shudder. But I have had so much fun, and you're not going to believe, I am in middle school and high school. And that just sounds like the worst place in the world to be and to be a substitute nonetheless. But, you know, it's really been fun, and I really see it as a great ministry opportunity because I'm only in the schools where my kids are, and I know a lot of the kids, and that's been really fun. And um, it's just amazing to see the hearts of children. I mean, I see them in my house all the time. And so I just thought, you know, Lord, if I could just be maybe, you know, the smile that they see or the encouraging words that they hear um, and just bless them in that way, then that would be so worth it. And I get paid a little bit on the side. So that's what I've been doing. So I'm kind of used to, you know, speaking up. So I just wanted to share with you guys, when Millie asked me to come and visit with y'all, I said I would be happy to. I would love to. I love to talk about the Lord and what He's done in my life and what He's doing in our family's life. Um, it, is, it always excites me. I mean, I, I am passionate about all that God has done and continues to do. It um, overwhelms me at times. 
So, I just was trying to think of how to say it, how to um, maybe have a little illustration. And one day I was listening to the radio and I heard a great definition of insecurity. I told Millie I want to talk about building up our kids' self-esteem. You know, there's so many things that are um, vying for their attention and competing for their identity and tell all these mixed messages coming at them through school and through the world and through media. And it is crazy. I know you guys know that. But I said that, you know, I would love to share about building up your kids' self-esteem. So I heard on the radio um, a definition of insecurity. And this gal said, insecurity is when we tether our heart to something that can change. And that stuck with me. And I thought, you know, how many things... Do we tie our hearts or tether? I didn't want to use tether because it was too long. (laughs) So I said tied. How many things do we attempt to tie our heart to? You know, I'm sure you guys can come up with a list of things. I know that, um, boy, big in our world is appearances, performance in a hundred different ways, whether it's sports, whether it's talent musically, um, acting, Academics, I mean, some things are great things, but if we tie our heart to those things, those things can change. And so we are left like balloons that can get tossed around and whipped. You should see me walking in with these in the wind. Oh my goodness, it was just crazy. But... You know, you, you guys have little kids. You've probably had balloons before. and You've probably tied them to the stroller or tied them to the wrist. And one way or another, they kind of work loose. And before you know it, you know, it, one's maybe flown off or the wind starts beating and it, and it works loose, whatever you did tie, however you did tie it. So the idea about what we are going to help our kids tie their heart to, as well as us. We've got to tie our hearts to something that will never change. And that is only the rock, which is God, the Father, Jesus Christ. And this is not a rock, but it's going to represent my rock, okay? I'd rather you all think about like Mount Everest or something huge, because that gives a better picture of the stability and the unchanging, the time-tested security of God. Because He never changes. His qualities, His personhood, everything about Him. Hebrews tells us that He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So, Where we want to start with our kids, to start with a good foundation, we've got to introduce them to the God of creation, the God that loves them and created them, which they're hearing a lot of different things today in the schools. I sat in a lecture talking about Darwin and his lovely theory, and it was just amazing to sit there and think, no wonder we have so many kids that are struggling with who they are when, you know, they're being taught in school that they come from a... Mud pool. Like, duh, no, no wonder. I mean, how secure would I feel if, if that was my origin? 
So our kids have to know where they come from, who created them, who loves them, what he's done for them. First and foremost, he sent his son. And it says in Romans 5.8 that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So he sent his son out of heaven, came to this earth, walked this earth, uh, can identify with us in all of our struggles and all of our pains. But he died. He died a death on a cross. But he didn't stay dead. He was raised again. And that changes our whole life. If we accept that fact, if we're willing to accept his shed blood for our forgiveness of sins, then we can enter into a personal relationship with him. And that's where it all starts. If we know him personally, then we're a new creature, which Galatians 6.9 talks about. We're a new creature in Christ. Um, so that's just the foundation that we've got to start on. And, you know, whether we have little kids or teenagers, um, we can, there's all kind of resources today talking about the Lord, and we've got the cutest little Bible story books at night, and talking about God with our kids from the earliest stages. I mean, that you know, can be a part of their life from the very beginning. A book that I've picked up lately that um, I want to encourage you, it is an awesome book called Age of Opportunity. And it's by Paul David Tripp. And it's, it is a biblical guide to parenting teens. But I want to encourage you, don't wait until you have teenagers. It is so good. And I want you to bear with me because I really do want to read part of what he says. Excuse me. Um, because he says it so well. The family as a theological community... What is theology? It's the study of God, his existence, his nature, and his works. It's God's plan that the family function as a theological community. What this means is that the ultimate fact of family life is the fact that God exists and that we are his creatures. Everything we do, think, and say is attached to that reality. We must never allow ourselves to view life horizontally, that is, only in terms of earthly relationships and circumstances. We must always ask questions about God, his will, and his work, no matter what the subject or situation being discussed. The goal of all this is to root our children's identity in the existence and the glory of God. We want them to understand that they were made by him, that they belong to him, that they are called to live for his glory. We are called by God to do theology. Todd's talked about that before. Not just to study theology, but do theology, live it. That is to live our lives with a moment-by-moment consciousness of God. He is the reality that gives sense and shape to every other fact we discuss and we consider. Moses, Moses in Deuteronomy instructs us to tell the child that he is a child of, God, of a God of redemption. Tell him how God harnessed the forces of nature in order to fulfill his promises to his people. Tell him that God gave us his rules for our good and that his way is a pathway of blessing. Root his identity in the soil of the glory and goodness of God. That just really spoke to me and I thought, wow, I wish I had started this book long ago. And just to be reminded of how 
everything we are about needs to be sifted through God's will, God's plan, God's sovereignty, whether we're talking about math or history or soccer. I mean, it just all fits together. It's his story, and he has included us in it, and that is so exciting. He has a plan for each one of us. I love to talk to my kids about how they were uniquely created. And if you know my kids, they are unique. Each one of them is so different than the other. Like uh, Millie was saying, I have, um, well, she talked about Jenna. I have two girls that are 15 and 17. Yes, that's a challenge. I have two boys, and they're the bookends. They are 18, almost 19, and 13. And they are best friends. My girls someday, I hope, are going to be best friends. They're friends, but they're still uh, teenage girls with all their struggles of borrowing clothes. Anyway, they, my two girls are so different. Um, one is nurturing and compassionate, babe, just a baby magnet, and just her greatest goal in life is to be a mommy. And that is the only time she ever was upset about how God made her. And for those of you who don't know Jenna, she is a dwarf, um, an achondroplastic dwarf, which is the most common form of dwarfism. She is 17, and she's about 4 foot 3. And one time when she was about 6 or 7, um, she was kind of figuring out who she was and that she was different because at that age, she wasn't all that much smaller than her peers, okay? So she didn't really stand out that much. But people could tell that there was something different about her because she's unsymmetrical. Dwarfs are um, average stature, I mean, uh, torso, and they short, have short limbs. So she has arms and legs that are um, considerably shorter than yours and mine. So she was about six or seven, and one little girl that is a dear friend, and just in her little girl uh, immaturity set or didn't you know, know any better, she, I think what she was trying to say is she didn't think Jenna would grow up to be a mommy, but she meant, I think in her little mind, just that she wouldn't grow up and be big, and, and women that grow up and be big are mommies. So she said to Jenna, uh, you won't be a mommy. And Jenna came out of the bathroom and to me and was like, oh, I'm so-and-so said I'm not going to be a mommy. And I'm like, what? What are you talking about? Well, that was the only thing that upset her about how God made her. And other than that, she has really been um, amazingly a blessing. And I know that when she was first born, it was really hard for us to see as a blessing. Because you have an idea when you're pregnant and you're expecting. You don't know whether it's a girl or a boy, but you're hoping that it's just healthy. You know, and everything's there the way it's supposed to be. And sometimes God's plans are different than ours. And God's blessings are disguised in different ways. And I can honestly say today that Jenna really is a blessing. I mean, she's a daily reminder of God's goodness. Because like Millie said, she um, has such a strong um, sense of who she is and who God created her to be. And I think um, when she was born, God really laid it on my heart to pray earnestly for her identity in Christ. Because I knew that what the world was telling all of us as females, that 
you know, so much of your worth and so much of um, who you are is in your appearance and physical appearance. And I knew that was going to be a challenge for her. So the Lord laid it on my heart. So from day one, I was praying so hard for Jenna's identity in Christ and not in her physical appearance. And God has just amazingly answered that prayer in so many ways. And um, she was cheerleader for the last two years and just loves life, loves people, is so excited about... um, discovering, you know, more people, more people. So God has definitely given her heart for people. But um, she is such a blessing. I think your earring is getting the microphone. Oh, I'm sorry. And it's making noise. Sorry. Thanks for telling me. We can hear you okay, but maybe it'll be Okay. Thank you so much. Sure. Thanks for telling me. Anyway, that was Jenna. That is Jenna. Um, So over and over, we just kept pumping into her that God has made you for a purpose. And God has made you uniquely for his purpose and his plan to accomplish something that nobody else can accomplish. If you choose to accept it. And so that is your lifelong you know, goal is to strive for what God's plan and purpose is for your life and how he wants to use you, how he wants to um, use the gifts that he has uniquely given you and in the specific way that he's created you. So she is doing a good job of embracing that. And, you know, I'll say that through the teenage years, it is uh, a little more of a challenge. And at times she'll come in and, you know, you can kind of, tell that maybe she's a little bit heavy about something and we'll talk and you know go right back to who God created her and how much we have to be thankful for and she's like yeah you're right you're right Um, God just uses her on a regular basis Um, people look at her and she's had kids at school not very sensitive kids, but have said to her, Jenna, why are you so happy? I don't know if I lived in a body like yours, if I could be that happy. And that, you know, kind of took her back a little bit, but it was like, well, let me tell you why I'm happy, or why I'm okay, because God has created me uniquely and for his purpose. So she uh, embraces the way God has created her. And John 9.3 is a great encouragement. It just is Jesus' response to his disciples when they were walking along and saw a man that was blind. And they asked him, you know, who sinned, this man or his parents? And Jesus' reply was, it was not because of his sins or his parents' sins. He was born blind so that the power of God could be seen in him. Wow. I mean... Think about telling our kids that when they have something, whether it's, you know, physical abnormality or they don't like their color of their hair or, you know, whatever. Um, To think that God has created you specifically so that others could see the power, his power and his glory. 
Um, Martha Kate, on the other hand, um, when I was about six months, uh, Martha Kate is now 15. When I was about six months pregnant, I had a late-term sonogram, and the doctors told us, uh, uh, I want you to go to a specialist. I'm like, really? Okay. I went and had a sonogram. My husband wasn't with me. didn't expect anything. He told me from the beginning, because she was right after Jenna, um, that we're treating this as a normal pregnancy. Don't expect anything. Well, had a late-term sonogram because of some other issues. And they said, uh, her head is measuring six weeks smaller than her body. And we want to see this. Um, we want to send you to a fetal abnormality specialist. And the technical diagnosis was microcephaly, which just means small head. But that can mean a lot of repercussions. It, um, it can mean um, the baby's not viable can mean that there's not a brain or a brain stem. It can mean that the, the child may just be um, a slow learner, um, you know, a host of things. So after I'd gone to two specialists, um, they confirmed and they said that uh, we had a 5% chance of having a normal baby. So my husband, being wired differently than, than I am, said he prepared... We had a physically handicapped child. Now we're going to have a mentally handicapped child. So he was mentally preparing for that. I didn't know this. I kind of had an emergency C-section that he had to sign life support papers and all of that, not knowing what we were going to have. My doctor was really sweet and said, you know, sonograms are great, but we really don't know what we have until baby gets her. So I, on the other hand... Because God wired me differently, I wanted to trust that God could do whatever God wanted to do. And that may mean a miracle. That may mean she might be fine. I wasn't in denial. I wasn't, um, I didn't have a false hope. I knew the reality, but I chose to at least uh, think about that, set my heart there. Um, We had some great time of prayer with friends. Um, And when Martha Kate was born, she was born on the normal charts. There's a little bit of discrepancy. Her head was in the 20th percentile and her body was in the 60th percentile, but she was on the normal charts. And right before I had the C-section, they said possible cleft palate, possible swelling on the ventricles of the brain, possible microcephaly. So we were really not knowing what was coming. And it was amazing. Um, she was born. Everything looked fine. She went through neonatal ICU team. And in five minutes, they said, this baby's fine. She doesn't need us. We're going to sonogram her brain later in the day. Everything checked out. And, um, yeah, I mean, my doctor, my pediatrician, was uh, a sweet Christian man and every baby, regular baby checkup that we'd go to, he'd say, this baby looks good to me. He said, you know, those doctors, all those measurements and all that, they're well and good and they may explain it away, but he said, we choose to believe that it was a miracle. So I said, yeah, me too. So that's part of their story, that's part of her story and we've told her that. Over and over. And there were times when she was little that she'd even say, tell me, you know, 
Now tell me what happened when I was born. Well, now today she's 15 and she embraces that story. She believes, she knows that God intervened for her. And she was willing to stand up as a speaker at her FCA group in high school and tell her story of grace, um, both physically and spiritually. So when God moves in your family, when God does things, and he will on a regular basis, we've got to be putting that back in front of our kids. We've got to be reminding them how much he has done for us. Um, not only sending his son, but intervening um, in, li- in some life events, Sometimes he he allows us to go through hardships, and I don't know why he chooses one thing here and another uh, choice here. But the thing is, as we get to know him, we know that he is trustworthy. We know that he's good. We know that he loves us. So we can trust in his plan. What has God done for you? What has God done in your family? The kind of things that... We need to build those monuments kind of in our mind or maybe even set up some reminders around the house of what God has done in our lives, maybe in our kids' lives. Maybe it's small, simple things. But as we focus on those things and help our kids connect with, whether it's losing a backpack and talking about the lost sheep and how the shepherd stops everything and goes to find that sheep, I mean, there's illustrations every day that we can tie our kids' focus back and tie their hearts back to the Father. Um, Deuteronomy 6, I love this scripture, 4 through 7, talks about, are we talking about Him as we sit in our house, as you walk along the road, as you lie down, as you get up? That's pretty much all the time. If you think about it, we're sitting in our houses, we're walking on the road, we're driving, because they walked a lot, they only walked in those days. But as we're driving, as we're laying down, as we're getting them up in the morning, all the time, we can be talking about God, preparing their hearts for the day. Now, my 15-year-old will say, Mom, will you come see me in the morning? Bring a verse, because I really like it when you do that. So she wants to start her day with, you know, a reminder from God's Word. So consistently, you need to be consistently talking about God in their lives and how we can apply His Word where we are. And um, just reminding them of His protection We need to be with our kids in order to influence them. I don't know about you guys, but we have at times had craziest schedules. We had four kids, still do, we had four kids on a lot of different teams, soccer, football, hockey. If you'd known us about ten years ago and seen our credit credit card, yeah, seen our Christmas card, um, we had about... 20 different sports represented in all the, the gear and everybody had something different on and it just kind of was a picture of our life. Everybody was, the boys were on two or three different teams, the girls were cheering and playing soccer and 
we're just going and going like crazy. And you know what? It's, it can be maddening. And I'm thinking, I'm sending my little ones out to spend so much time with all these other people. Now, if you've got coaches you know, great. But if, it's, you know, if they're spending more time with their coaches than they are at home, then you have to ask yourself, who's influencing them? How much time do I have to influence them if they're always scheduled? Once they get in school, they're gone for seven hours a day. Unless you're homeschooling, which is, you know, you have time to, to influence them. And I just encourage you to really protect their time, protect them, know their friends. Man, I can't stress that enough. Know their friends. I can't tell you how many times I've said no to kids that, you know, maybe decent kids. But I don't know them. And my kids know that now. And they ask if they can go over to so-and-so's house, and it's like, sorry, I don't know their mom and dad. Oh, but they, yada, yada, yada. I'm like, sorry, I don't know them. Yeah, they might be a member at XYZ Church, but I don't know them. So, know their friends. Be uh, protective, not controlling and not fearful, but just keep in mind that, you know, we've got to protect them. Oh, just one of the illustrations that, that I remember, it was such a fun, kind of fun. It was fun when God made, helped me make the connection, but I was with one of my girls, and it was several years ago. She was maybe 10 or 12, and we had a little black poodle with us. And we were down at my aunt's in College Station, and she lives on about 10 acres. And about one acre of it is cut and groomed, and the rest of it is thick, thick, wooded, filled with wildlife. And my little, our little black toy poodle, that's kind of like a family member, um, jumped out of the car and darted off. She is a squirrel hunter. And she thought she saw something that was just, she couldn't live without. So she goes, taken off, into the woods. And it's about 5.30 or 6 at night. And I'm really getting worried. We go, Martha Kate and I go trampsing around in the woods. And we're looking and, you know, getting stickers on us. And we hear stuff and we go, is that her? You know, and we're just looking and looking. And it's starting to get dark. And we're really getting worried. They've got bobcats, they've got coyotes, all kinds of stuff living in these woods. Well, finally we found her, and it was really frustrating, but God redeemed the time because he gave me such a precious example. Martha Kate and I started talking because we were driving a gator around, and we found her, we were coming back, and I said, you know what, this really reminds me of us sometimes. We see something that we think we got to have. Are we going to go chasing this goal? Are we going to go chasing whatever the world is telling us? This is where life is. And we go after it. And we go deep into the thicket of the wild woods. And there are bobcats. There are coyotes. And we're oblivious. She didn't know. She's in there bouncing around, sniffing for squirrels and yapping and just having a big time. She just thinks she has hit Peter. And she is oblivious to all the harm that's around, that's surrounding her. And night's about to fall. It's going to be dark. I mean, she's going to be somebody's dinner. Okay, she's not very big. 
And I would say, turn to Martha Kate as we kind of talked through this, and I said, you know what? That's a lot like us. God's saying, stay under my protection. Stay here. Follow me. I love you. I'm your father. I'm your protector. Stay with me. I will give you the things that you need. She had a house. She has a house. She has food when she wants it. She has water when she needs it. She has the love of a family. But that wasn't good enough for her in that moment. And that really sunk in with my daughter. It was such a great time of sharing and talking, and she got and got into it, and yeah, yeah, you know, threw in her little two cents worth. But anyway, there's examples like that all around us all the time if we just ask God to show us and we're just aware of um, turning um, opportunities into a teaching time. So keep that in mind. And then just trying to teach our kids about the authority. This, this may, on your handout, kind of throw you a little bit. That First Samuel 2.12, it talks about Eli's sons, that they were wicked men. They did not recognize the Lord's authority. Um, we were having a nighttime, you know, those Bible stories and, and reading through, actually it's First Samuel 3. And you guys are probably familiar or maybe familiar with the story of Samuel that he was um, sent to live in the temple with um, Eli and he was raising him up. His mom had dedicated him and taken him there and he was living there. Well, in the first part of chapter 3, he hears the Lord speaking to him and he gets up and he goes and he talks to Eli. And Eli says, go back and lay down. Well, he does that like three times. And the last time Eli says, well, Next time you hear it, say, okay, here, Lord, uh, um, speak to me, you know, your servant, and, um, and listen for what he has to say. Well, that was kind of the majority of the story, and I didn't really remember the punchline or what God told him that had woken him up three times. Well, in the first part of um, chapter 3, it does explain that God told Samuel, even as a child, that he was going to judge Eli and his family because Eli hadn't done his job as a father and taught his boys to respect the authority of God. And I was having a little trouble one time with some authority issues with um, one particular child. And we read this story and I said, you know, this is why mom and dad are put in your life as your authority. We're put here by God to teach you how to submit to us. And in so doing, learn how to submit to his authority. And you know, through that little story and the consequences of not respecting God's authority, that was another one of those times that God just, you know, opened her eyes, and it's like, wow, okay, I get it. Now, it doesn't mean that we've never had any authority problems since then, but um, it was a great time. Anyway, moving on to the I in Tide. I know it's been a lot of time on T. We want to talk about God's love for them and all that God is doing in your life and in theirs. And this may kind of surprise you, and like, why is this here? But... I was trying to think of something with for I, and 
I was thinking, you know, we all know that if mama ain't happy, nobody happy, right? So we need to be about living a life of integrity. If we're going to talk to our kids about God and about all that he's done and uh, how good he is and about their identity in Christ, then we have to start with ourselves. We have to ask ourselves, where is my identity? Where have I tied my heart? Is my heart tied to the rock? Well, I have to say that when I first came into my marriage, um, I had a lot of baggage. In fact, we both did. I like to say, if there's anything extraordinary about my family, it's the extraordinary amount of baggage that we both brought in. But God gradually began to open my eyes that if I was going to be a woman of integrity, if I was going to walk in his ways, I had to look at some secrets in my past. I had a past, I had some secrets in my past that held me captive to my past and fearful of my future. I had a lot of anger and bitterness and resentment. And I realized I had to be willing to let go of my past, to abandon my past. Um, you know, there's a great ministry here, and I know you guys have all heard about it. Some of you may have even been through it, but I'm going through CR right now, and it is um, a great tool. It is a great process, a way to process um, issues from our past or present. Um, I would just encourage you guys, if, if there are secrets in your life, if there's things going on that you're afraid that somebody might find out, then those, those secrets, as they say in CR, we're as sick as our secrets. And my secret was big. So I had a lot of dysfunction to get over. And I don't want to go back and blame my parents. They were children too. They had their stories. But the real question is, in what people did to me, but how did I handle it? How did I respond? What walls did I build up? What unhealthy patterns have I laid? And how can I start to undo some of that unhealthy self-protection, bitterness? There's nothing like kids in your life to kind of uncover the inconsistencies. So, just to be... Living as a, as, um, a, living a life of integrity. And for, in 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. And you might be still asking yourself, Who am I? I don't feel like a new creature. But you know what? Nowhere in Scripture are we promised how we may feel. There's God's truth. And we've got to focus on his truth and what he says is true about us, not necessarily how we feel. So, my emotions don't determine my identity. Birth determines identity. I have been reborn. Annabelle Gillum wrote a good book called The Confident Woman. And there's a section in there called Reprogramming Your Personal Computer. 
It's a great illustration. It's a great read, and I got it from a friend in CR. It's full of good stuff about CR, and that's what your page on the scriptures come from the back of her book. And I just want to share those with you, and you can look it over later, but it is just full of God's encouragement and God's truth about who we are in Christ. It is amazing, our new identity. We are no longer sinners saved by grace. We are saints that sin. And when we start thinking of ourselves in that way, and we start thinking of others in that way, yeah, we're going to sin because our program, our computers are programmed. And we haven't gotten rid of all those old programs. But God says that we are new, we're reborn. So we are saints who are going to occasionally sin. But I want to transform my mind. I want to keep renewing my mind like Romans 12.1 says. And think of us and think of my family as saints who sin. Hebrews 10.10 says, Christ's sacrifice on the cross established your righteousness once and for all. We've been sanctified. He has perfected for all times those who are sanctified. That is our new identity. That is awesome. I could just camp there for a while. Colossians 1.2 says regardless of our performance. And John 16.20 says, For the Father Himself loves you dearly. That's good news. Because sometimes I don't feel loved. And I'm sure it's part of my old programming. But when I dwell on the truth that God loves me, my Father loves me dearly. I had a real hurtful, broken relationship with my earthly father that could have damaged me deeply for the rest of my life. But you know what? The enemy did not win. And I'm so thankful that God intervened and God's message got through and I'm not who the enemy tells me I am. Because my father says, my heavenly father says, he loves me dearly. Those are sweet words. Just like Psalm 27 that we read today in the journey, for those of you who are following along the journey, I love that psalm because God met me in the depths of my pain and a verse in there just jumped out at me. I don't remember exactly which one it was, number. But it said, even though my father and mother have abandoned me, the Lord will hold me close. That was like God was speaking to me audibly. It's like, I'm here for you, even if your mom and dad aren't. That was great news. And at the end, the very last verse in that, in that chapter says, David says, I am confident of this thing, that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That means here on this earth, not just when we get to heaven, not just later someday, and i got to dredge around on this old, stinking, broken down world, but I'm going to see God's goodness here in the land of the living. That was encouraging to me. And I was determined to not repeat the cycle. God 
was going to prevail. So, be real with your kids. I mean, I know there's some age appropriateness, but, you know, when we've had struggles, and for the last five years, um, my husband's really had some uh, problems with work, and gosh, just month after month, it was just like a Hollywood script that was worse than you could ever imagine. Every week or every month, there was something that was just devastating. And God took this really large company and whittled it down to nothing and closed the doors about two years, year and a half, two years ago. Well, during this time, you know, we were sharing with our kids. Not all the details. I mean, we didn't want them to be burdened and heavy laden, but we wanted to be real. We didn't want to act like everything's fine. Yeah, we're fine. We're good. Well, there's days we weren't good. And that sunk in so much that my oldest, and of course he was in high school at the time, he would say to Dad, So, Job, how was your day today? <laughs> and a little humor always helped lighten things up. So let your kids in on I mean, we've got to be real. I'll never forget my aunt talking about her mom and dad, which my grandparents, and she says, you know, they made it look so easy. I don't understand. And she and, you know, there was a lot of dysfunction in, you know, that generation. And I'm not sure what happened, and, but those words from her kind of burned in my head. I don't want to make it look easy. The truth of the matter is, it's not easy. Marriage is not easy. Family isn't easy. Community isn't easy. It's tough. I don't know about y'all, and you may have some of these shirts and nothing personal, but I can't stand to see those shirts that says, life is good. <laughs> it's not good. God is good. I like to say, God is good. Life is hard. <laughs> it may be good for you. My life has been hard. But God is good. And He meets me in the midst of hard life. So, let's be real with our kids. God gives us our children to sharpen us. Just like yesterday's journey. I loved it. She was so great about talking about her kids and just the humility there and just asking God to step in and search my heart and uncover, you know, the things that aren't pleasing to you. And God uses our children a lot of times to sharpen me. Um, E, I kind of wrestled with this, but I ended up at emphasize their predetermined value. You know, God sets their value. God established that before they were born. In the womb. And Psalm 139 talks about that. How awesome, fearfully and wonderfully were made. And there's just obvious value through the scriptures on God's children. Us. You know, Jenna was about eight or nine years old and, and I got... Um, an article about bone lengthening surgeries from a well, very well-meaning person. It was, it was good. I mean, I wasn't offended. But I just thought, huh, what do I do with this? Because I've always kind of told Jenna that she was uniquely made and that, you know, God's going to use her just the way she is. And, but I didn't want her to be 18 and go, why didn't you ever tell me about that? And so I just like prayed over it and I was like, okay, 
I'm going to read this to Jenna, but I'm going to first sit down. And we read through Psalm 139. So I read through that, and then I said, okay, now I want to share this with you. I mean, just, just so you know what's out there. And after I read it, in her sweet understanding of who God is and how he made her, he, she said to me, you think he'd mind since he made me this way? <laughs> I was like, okay, Lord, got it. She's got it. I said, you know what? You're great. You're great. Just the way you are. Not that I wanted you to have this done. I just wanted to let you know what they're doing. And it is very controversial, so, and we never did take that road. But I loved her heart and their innocence there. So, in light of their value, how do we treat our kids? How do we greet them? How do we correct them? You know, in the in the Love Dare book, I don't know if any of you guys have read through that, but it's a great, great read. It really puts handles on 1 Corinthians 13. And the very first page says, the two pillars of love are patience and kindness. The pillars of love. Like, wow, that's convicting. How do I treat my kids? Am I impatient? Am I snappy? Hurry, hurry, let's go, you know. Come on. I was reminded of the Ritz-Carlton. Have any of you ever been at the Ritz-Carlton, stayed at the Ritz-Carlton? They're overriding response is I've only been one time and it was really sweet I don't even know that we stayed there we went and had lunch you know when we were in Cancun or something but I was amazed at the way the people that were there to serve you and anything you asked I mean anything I asked they said certainly my pleasure certainly my pleasure they were there to serve me now, that was good business management. They recognized me as a customer. I was the valuable, the most valuable asset they had as a customer. And I think, wow, how does that translate to my value that I put on my kids? How do I talk to them? Do I have that kind of tone of voice? Do I, am I patient with them? How do I talk about them to others? I know all of you have had this happen. If you've got more than two, probably, people come up to you and go, Wow, are all those your kids? Go, yeah, aren't I blessed? And so many times I've heard moms go, Yeah, oh man, I can hardly make it through the day. And they're all around her. And there's my kids. And I'm thinking, what does that tell them? How do I talk about them to others? How to refer to them. Do we have labels for them? They might even be well-meaning labels, but, you know, I had a daughter that was kind of a tomboy, and I would, I would say that, and I would buy stuff for her that was raw athletic, and there's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, I started kind of being convicted that, because she would say, well, Mom, I like pink, too. And I thought, oh, I was just pigeonholing her like she was, you know, like she had no interest in girl things. And that got my attention real fast. It's like, you're right, you're right. But I want to know what you like. Instead of labeling you or, or putting you, you know, is this the, oh, this is my happy child. Well, what does it say to the other one? They're not very happy. 
Or, oh, this is my snuggler. And that's good, but then it's like, I don't know, just, you know, what, is that, what does it say to the other kids if everybody's got a, a label? Think about, at least, what we, how we talk to them, how we refer to them. Are we treating them like the precious gift that they are? I had a dear friend that came and stayed with me right after Jenna was born. And... She had a three-year-old little boy, and I picked up on this so fast. I only had one at the time. Jenna was just newborn. Blake was about 20 months old. And this friend, every time her little three-year-old would come over and say, Mommy, hold me, hold me, she'd lean down and go, I'd be happy to. You know, every time, I'd be happy to. Come, jump up here. He'd run jump up in her arms. I thought, wow, I want to have that kind of rapport with my kids. Not, get off, you know, like, quit, diamond on me, you know. Am I happy to serve them? Now, that didn't mean, obviously, let them run over you and have everything they want, but are we treating them in light of the value that God's placed on them, the gift that they are? Ephesians 2.10 reminds us that they are God's workmanship. Annabelle, again, in her book, The Confident Woman, talks about children. You know, they're not able to think abstract thoughts and then logically deduce, deduct. Um, Oh, mommy must have had a hard day, therefore she's frustrated. I better just sit over here and be quiet. (laughs) No, you guys know that. Only concrete communication gets through to our child. Eye contact. Do you look at them when you talk to them? Touching, meaningful touch. Words and the inflections of my words. Time. Time spent with them. My body language. What are the nonverbals I'm giving my kids? Am I just meeting their physical needs by feeding them, bathing them, clothing them? Or am I loving my nonverbal saying, I love you and I value you. I'm so glad that God put you in my family. Gave me the opportunity to raise you. Poor Blake, he was our firstborn. And I would, I, we used to joke about it saying, well, the first two years of his life, he thought his name was Blake. Because <laughs> that's how we always referred to him. He was always into something. So he'd always say, Blake. And that's what he probably thought his name was. But we need to be saying things like, I love you, I'm proud of you. Some of us, it's hard to say I love you. I know that may sound crazy to some of us, but it was hard for my mom. I don't know that I ever heard my mom say I love you until I was an adult. That's amazing. And she's a very loving, very much of a servant, awesome lady. But it was hard for her to say I love you. My kids say it all the time. I think Kirk just told me that his dad has told him in the last month more times that he loves him than he ever in his whole life. And I think it's because he hears it from our kids. Every time they're with him. Bye, Pap. I love you. I love you. That was awkward for him at first. But he got used to it. So, D, obviously, 
Do not grow weary in doing good. Galatians 6, 9 reminds us, we will reap a harvest of blessings at the appropriate time. And, you know, God knows what that appropriate time is. It's not necessarily when they're 21. They got to go 20 years or 18 years until they get out of the house before maybe I'll see some blessings. No, God gives us the fruit of our labor, shows us the fruit of our labor, maybe in little ways, but it's always at the appropriate time, just when we need it. I can remember those days just thinking, am I doing anything right? And my kids would come say something so sweet, and I'm like, oh, thank you, Lord. I needed that. You know, I was just reminded that um, Blake is a freshman at SMU, and I was thinking about last year this time. Wednesday was National Signing Day, and he signed with SMU last year to play football. And it was a crazy time. It was really stressful, and he had always really hoped and desired to play college football, and he was a good athlete. And ironically, his dad is 6'4", and I'm 5'8 and a half, and he's about 6'1 maybe 6'2", which really kind of surprised us a little. And it really, uh, the whole recruiting process really surprised us. Um, he was All-State in, in his position, and he was a great player, a great leader on the field, and yet he really didn't have the attention that we thought from major colleges. He had some, but what we kept hearing is, well, if you're just 6'3", that, that would make the difference. And he'd say, at home, of course, oh, Coach, really, an inch is going to make a difference in how I play the game? But then he came to me one day and he said, you know, Mom, I'm worried about one inch. And I have a sister that's 4'3". I have a lot to be thankful for. And I said, you're right. You're right, sweetie. It really pales in comparison, doesn't it? So for him to come up with that on his own was really reaping some fruit that God had laid over the last 18 years. Psalm 27, 13 said, I am st- Oh, this is the one that I told you earlier. 27.13, I am still confident of this, that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So, um, the whole thing that, uh, or the conversation that started the invitation, Millie and I were talking about Blake, and he actually had the opportunity to play this year as a freshman, which was awesome, and um, God really blessed in a lot of ways, and uh, we had the opportunity to be uh, at Navy um, back in October, and he actually played the whole game in pouring rain and pretty chilly weather. And uh, it was really neat. At the end of the game, we kind of sat there and watched the. Uh, there's so much going on at a military institution like that, and a game and. All the cadets are marching in, and they had missed the team had missed it before the game. And um, so after the game, Blake kind of just just hung around. He's really got a lot of respect for the military, and he was just really curious about just kind of the whole experience and what they're going to do after the game. And the, the team had kind of run on to the showers, and understandably, and and he ended up being the only guy out on the field. And it's Navy tradition that they all stand out there on the field, all the cadets, and they sing their alma mater or their school song or whatever 
it's appropriately called. And he was just kind of taken in with the moment. And it was really neat to kind of be there and see that. And I was like, oh, look, her. it's kind of cool. And um, <clears throat> two days later, I got a phone call from somebody uh, in Williamsburg, Virginia. I didn't know the man, and he didn't know me. But he had looked up our number and somehow found, found it um, to tell me what a neat young man I, we had. Um, because it meant so much to him as a um, retired Navy officer that he would stay out there in the midst of the circumstances of cold and rain and all that and stand there and show such respect for the guys that are out there that are someday going to be serving our country. And that just meant so much to him. And I don't think Blake even realized, I mean, he didn't. He said, Mama, I, I didn't even think about it. I just was... I was just in awe and, and respect of the military and the guys and all that. That story has gone around so much. Went back to our school. A friend of ours sent it to one of the teachers, and the teacher sent it out to everybody in the middle school. And anyway, I'm starting to get these emails from teachers, and you know what? The coolest thing about the whole thing, it's not about us, and it's not even about Blake. The coolest thing is I had two different teachers ask me, what's your secret? You've got neat kids. What, what's different? Guess what? My foot's in the door. Because of the way they live their life. They didn't stand up on a platform and talk about Jesus Christ. They just lived with respect for other people. They lived honoring their teachers and their classmates. It was, it was somebody else's teacher that, that didn't even know Blake. But she had another one of my daughters in her class and said, you know, I always thought something special about your daughter. And I read that story about your son. What is it that's going on at your house? So, let's wrap up. And I want to encourage you to help your kids tie their heart to the rock so that they won't be easily shaken. Um... It's the only thing that will last, that will never change. The one sure, sure thing. Trust in the Lord forever. For in God, the Lord, we have an everlasting rock. Hebrews 13.8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Psalm 73.6 says, My flesh And my heart may fail, but God is the rock and firm strength of my heart and my portion forever. So, I want to encourage you to not only tie your own heart to the rock, encourage your kids to tie their heart to the rock. Thank you very much. Thanks for letting me share with you. Hello. Hello. Oh, there it is. I just want to encourage you. Man, that was in. I'm like got tears in my eyes because part of that story that I shared with you in the beginning about Kathy was, and it really makes me emotional because I've been able to share it with my daughter. But I didn't know what in high in junior high what she had gone through. I didn't learn that truth until I got to know Kathy 
about several years ago. I mean, it's been probably, what, 18, 15 years ago? Yeah. But I didn't know any of that. And I used to look at her from afar and think, oh, she's a cheerleader, and she's all these great things. Man, she's got life by the tail. And until I knew what she had walked through in her life with her parents and what she had gone through, it just came, it was really an opportunity for me to go back to my daughter and say, you know what, Sally? You don't know what people are walking through. You don't know the struggles and the baggage. And what appears to be all this togetherness really may not. So rather than treat people with this, oh, well, she's got this and this and this, and she must have you know, all this stuff, it's not true. She might be living the hardest struggle. In her, and so just to be you know, kind of that my yoke is easy, understand you don't know what goes on in people's four walls. So that was such a blessing. And I love what Kathy was sharing because I'm telling you that story about her son. I always tell my kids, people notice. Whether you're doing something good or something bad, people notice. And then when my kids get in and say, oh, mom, I got this or I did this or I got this, I'm like, people notice. And so we just need to train our kids because I'm telling you, when you talk about like sending your kids out in the woods and that survival kit. I mean, if you had to pack a survival kit for your kids right now, what would you put in it? A little bit of food, water. Man, I'm telling you, what they need to feast on is God's Word. And now is the time that we have to raise our kids, not for success, because the world is going to tell you they've got to be skinny, they've got to be, you know, gorgeous. I mean, we're going right now into a dance, and I'm like, all these moms are saying, oh, have y'all made your nail and hair appointment and makeup? I'm like, Sally will be lucky to get a pedicure, and that's if she's got open-toed shoes. I mean, it's amazing. Oh, and we're tanning all week. We've been tanning. I'm like, tanning? I'm like going, and then I see my daughter get up with her hair, going to school with her hair. She rolled out of bed at 8.15 in school. We're leaving at 8. 25 and she's got her hair in a bun no makeup and I'm like okay Lord I love that about her but I'm just thinking okay am I losing this because all everybody around is so worried about this appearance but I want to raise my children for significance not for success that is not going to do a thing for them I'm telling you when I see Kathy's kids that is why I'm so I want to pack in as much scripture and I want to encourage you ladies to dig deep if it's just one because you know what in spite of us God's plan for them will prevail. But man, I want to be a part of it. That fruit is tasty and I want to taste it. I want to see those things. Now Kathy's getting all some fruit and it's so tasty. And so I just encourage you ladies. I mean, I've shared this with y'all before when I've talked... One of the best things when I was at BSF and, you know, this, you know, like she says, the moan, you know, the, the leader was up there in front of 500 women saying, okay, who has to do carpool? Who has to do this? Who has to do this? And all these ladies, oh, you know, soccer. And, uh, and I looked at these two old ladies in front of me and they looked at each other and went. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I am never I dropped out of my carpool that day. I thought I am not going to miss out on my time because there'll be a day I'm sitting there thinking, I wish I had taken that moment. Because like Kathy said, we are going to protect our kids. We want to do that. But ultimately, we are going to project them. Like she's got Psalm 127. Your kids are like arrows in the hands of a warrior. I want to make sure we want to protect as parents. And that's true. You will soak just for so long. There's going to come a time where God is saying, okay, come on, little Indian. You've got to project that child. And you want to project them with, with as much in their heart as you can. And that comes from God's Word. So I just, I mean, I see who her kids are, and I want that for my kids. 
I mean, you know, people like that Chick-fil-A. You said, uh, you said Ritz-Carlton. Well, man, Chick-fil-A is doing it. It's their pleasure, too. So, you know, if you're not a five-star, you can be just a Chick-fil-A. I mean, it is my pleasure. So... I we were heard they're sneaking in. We yeah. wouldn't even stay in there. I'm not a vice Yeah, really. No, but I'm just saying you notice that in their opportunity to serve. I want to serve my family. And so I challenge each of you ladies. I mean, I, you know, I was so moved by your talk. I mean, I'm telling you, I probably write down more stuff than y'all do. <laughs> I'm over that hill. But just take your time and love on these people. I think just kind of share at your tables a little bit. We have a little bit. We have like 25 more minutes. Does anybody have any questions for Kathy? Y'all have any questions that you want to? She's giving y'all a lot of scripture to go home. And and that's another thing I would challenge y'all. Um you know, if you hear scripture like when Todd talks, bring your Bibles to church. Look up, put an asterisk, star. You know, if something really speaks to your heart, go the extra mile when you get home. Write it on a card. Do something. I mean, I'm telling you, that is where God is going to, I mean, he will do a mighty work in your heart with just your desire. So, I mean, God will look at your heart. And maybe you're thinking, I'm not adequate to do that but you know what allow God to work through you I mean he will take your heart's intent he knows what your intent is and maybe you don't know how to deliver it but he will do the mighty work so I just encourage you to you know chat among yourselves if you have a question for Kathy she'll be here a few more minutes so please feel free to come up and pick her brain